This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by 2.6 Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Brian Matson, and the 2.6 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies through specialized solutions to elevate the overall understanding, strategic direction, and tactical implementation of impactful campaigns. You can learn more at 26digital.com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is Jay Burris, CEO of Visit Anaheim. Jay leads the organization and oversees day-to-day management of all convention, tourism, and destination marketing and management programs. He also plays a key role in Anaheim and Orange County product and visitor industry business development, as well as future expansion plans for the Anaheim Convention Center. Among other key achievements, Jay has spearheaded the launch and development of Sports Anaheim, Visit Anaheim Cares, Anaheim First, Enterprise Anaheim, and the OC Sports Commission. Prior to joining Visit Anaheim, Jay was president and CEO of Experience Arlington for five years, and he was with the Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau for 20 years, serving in senior management positions in both the tourism and the convention divisions. Jay Burris, welcome to DMOU. Good morning, Bill. It's great to have you on board. So to your questions, years before the rest of us began to realize that focusing on the needs and wants of our community is a big part of our job as DMO professionals, you were way ahead of the curve when you launched a program called Visit Anaheim Cares. It's a program that gives back to the community. So share with us the genesis of this initiative and some of the exceptionally cool ways the community has benefited from this program. Well, when I first started here in Anaheim, there was a uh, lot of opportunities that uh, presented themselves. One, then we kind of connected the dots, but uh, there, there was a push in our school system to bring back music education. There was not music education. There was not one music education teacher in the elementary schools in our school district. At the same time, we had the largest music industry event arguably in the world as an annual client with the National Association of Music Merchants. Uh, Brings 115,000 people from the music industry here to Anaheim every year. Uh, In conversations, and was not my conversation, but those that my predecessors had talked to the NAM organization about doing something in our school district, potentially donation of instruments, potentially donation of funding to assist with bringing that music education back to the schools. Their foundation agreed with that opportunity and started that first year in giving some financial contribution as well as musical instruments to the schools. They, they choose one school each year. They donate that, but they also bring, bring musicians to the school and have a day of service where they come in and they actually teach these kids. Many of them have never held a guitar, never held a musical instrument. Really show them hands-on what music can do in the light turns on with these kids. It's unbelievable. So in watching that and seeing more and more groups that came in who really were looking at a legacy or something they could leave back in the community other than economic impact. And that was great to see. And so first year we did a community report, which was actually showcased all the different groups and what they were doing to give back to the community. It could be a securities company who donated their security systems to the school district when they left. It could be, we had American Heart Association 
we donated uh, CPR training kits to every single Anaheim High School for training for their students. It's things like that that tied in the convention industry, their market segments, and it could be just the interest of a CEO of an association or something like that. Uh, we had a CEO of a group out of China that brought 7,000 Chinese nationals here and they donated $300,000 to the Alzheimer's Society of Orange County. So it's wow. whatever the interest, whatever it comes from, they all want to leave a legacy and do something in the community other than economic impact. And seeing that that was happening, we needed a way to corral that, be the hub for that. I had seen some other uh, destination organizations establish foundations or things that all had different missions. But in talking to our destination, this is what we wanted to focus on was creating Visit Anaheim Care as a separate 501c3 organization with a separate board of directors. And not only could it be the hub collect this information of all the different conventions, it also could take in donations from maybe the smaller mom and pop operated businesses and hotel owners that wanted to do something in the community, but may, maybe thought that their one small donation was not enough. So we bring that all together. We capture the larger hotels that may do a special project with their own staff. And when you add together goods and services contribution, the food contributions to the food bank, as well as the service hours throughout the community. This industry is more than just an economic engine. It is a community builder and it is doing things to change lives. And that has real impact. So that's how we started Visit Anaheim Cares. It continues to this day and it's grown. A lot of interest and kind of a side benefit was community started to notice, hey, these guys aren't just all about bringing conventions and tourism. They kind of do care about the community and they are making a difference. And that was a game changer for us. So you've got a pent up demand from event managers who'd like to give back. You've corralled that in Visit Anaheim Cares, but it also serves, and I don't mean to be crass about this, but it also serves as an opportunity for you to essentially market yourself as a community that does care to land future business. I mean, uh, your customer advisory board loved this thing and really gravitated toward it and said, do more, go, go, go. That's exactly right. We presented it over two days with our customer advisory board. We had probably 25 different topics. Uh, the one takeaway that they all mentioned at the end of it was how impressed they were with this program and how much they were looking for destinations that had something like this to meet in. And we should use that as almost from the front end of showcasing what we can do and help with it's not just finding their hotels and reserving their space at the convention center. It was so important to them and they recommended and they said, why don't you challenge your synchronicities partners, cities that are in that program with us to do the same thing. And one of them said better, yeah, well, why don't you go to Destinations International and challenge every community to start something like that about giving back. And many are doing it, but I thought it was interesting that that was their biggest takeaway of the entire two day event. Yeah, that is great. And Again, not to be opportunistic, because you really do live it. Your staff has also stepped up and are a part of this on their own time, correct? That's something else we started was some community service projects as an organization. So two days a year, we go out into the community on a staff-wide community service project, whether it's going to the food bank and stuffing the, the boxes that are necessary or many other types of projects. But we also challenge the team as one of our 
KPIs for the organization and for individuals is that you get two paid days a year to take off from work and to go out and volunteer in the community and do something that you're passionate about, something that you feel is important to the community. And that's a challenge to every single staff person. That's 72 of us to go out in the community and do something that makes a difference. It's been very, very well received yeah. by both the community and the staff members. When I was finishing up my executive MBA a number of years ago, one of my modules was ethics, which of course most people don't think that business has, <laughs> and we do. But in that class, one of my requirements was two evenings at a homeless shelter, and that was part of the coursework. It was really life changing. You know, I mean, it's the kind of stuff we all want to do and we all say we're going to do, but unless you know we're given the opportunity and it's 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 made easy and you're doing that with your staff, oftentimes we don't, and, and we so should. One of the things, the benefits of, of having CARES established was we had a need in our community with our homeless situation. Homeless shelters were not being built fast enough, and we had a large encampment near our Anaheim baseball stadium, the Angels baseball stadium. Judge ruling was you couldn't move them out of their encampment or out of parks without a place to put them. So the mayor called me and our chamber called me and said, "You can, can we work with you in your 501c3 to lease the space that they had identified and located. And then the city would put the money in to revamp this space in 14 days as a temporary homeless shelter. So it was a, about a four month program. The crews came in and established an entire homeless shelter in this industrial building. We were able to provide the lease for them. Of course, there was not a charge to lease the building. The building owner donated it, but there was the need for a 501c3 to step up and take that responsibility and get into something that you don't think is part of our normal day-to-day -day operations. But in doing that, we got more feedback from, initially it was some of the uh, naysayers in the community was, what does Visit Anaheim Cares and, and Visit Anaheim know about servicing the homeless community? And, and while we weren't taking on the responsibility of actually servicing them, we were used as a conduit to provide the space and the building for that. And that was noticed by the community. And at the end of the day, where they called it a miracle on State College, because it happened, it's a street it's located on. And that was done in 14 days. It was up and running until the time that the new shelters were in place. And those people that we were trying to help uh, were all moved to those other shelters. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody. And it kind of showed the community that we're not just about conventions and tourism. We're about the community and we're about doing what we can to help the community, whatever the situation. So that was kind of a game changer too when that occurred and the fact that the mayor and our chamber of commerce thought about bringing us into the fold on that was, yeah. was terrific. So another program that you've launched is called Anaheim First. It's an initiative that really includes residents as the customer of the DMO. And this thing has taken on a life of its own. I mean, it, it's evolved into a $250 million neighborhood development program. And it all started with you with Anaheim First. So tell us about that program. You know, we felt all the destination professionals out there know that for years, kind of beat people over the head with, because of our economic impact and the taxes received by the city, your taxes remain lower. And you should pat us on the back for that. That wasn't being received well anymore. And unless you're handing them cash, I felt like it wasn't the message we wanted out there. We wanted to humanize it a little bit. But in doing so, we wanted to find out what the community thought. You know, we started hearing about some of the, the ugly word of over-tourism. 
out there in some international destinations. And we thought at some point, does the community turn against this industry? And so we had some focus groups, a lot of research was done in finding out what the community truly thought. And while they recognized the economics of it, and they thought that was great, created traffic, it did this, it did that. And what is really in it for me, because I live here, you know, you can only say you can go to Disneyland or you can go to these restaurants, you know, so many times, but what is truly in it for them? And so we worked with a, a group in town, ended up partnering with the Chamber of Commerce on something to really develop something to where someone could say, wow, it is really great that I live in a great tourist destination because in this destination in Anaheim, I'm first. They're taking care of me. And so that was how it was created kind of as a, uh, a step in the direction of what, what happened here almost became a us versus them, a tourism industry versus the local community. Tourism industry gets everything. They get the pretty palm trees in the resort area. They get the pretty area around Disneyland. They get the nice hotels. And my I have potholes in my street in my neighborhood and trash over here, and this isn't happening. What do I get out of it? So we saw that happening, and we really needed to engage with the community. And that doesn't mean just going to civic organizations and speaking about the industry. It meant actually getting involved and engaged with everyone in the community that is not you know, living around the resort district. We have six different districts within the city of Anaheim with, with our council divided along those lines. And so we created what was called Anaheim First, the I'm First mentality. And we went out to the community in each of those six districts and created a board of directors for this organization. And again, another 501c3, um, where we had two representatives, very engaged in their own districts, to be a part of this board of directors. In part, it was building trust that this wasn't just another gimmick, this wasn't just another organization to have an organization, that they were really gonna be able to have a voice and have a say-so in what happened and the improvements in their districts. From that, it's grown to 100 different people who are involved, there's 15 or so from each district. Uh, they're engaged, they are not all of the same mindset, it's adversity of thought, diversity of cultures, we wanted the makeup to reflect the actual community. So from that, uh, we had an election, we had this in place. We had an election, had a new mayor come on board. He heard about the program, fell in love with it, adopted it, and it became the message for his first State of the City speech. With that, he made the commitment of $250 million over the next 10 years going back into the neighborhoods. So that's coming from you know, all the impacts of our industry, but also other areas of, of the city. But it wasn't just the city dictating what was going to be done in these neighborhoods. This group that we've created actually prioritized. They said, what do we need done in our neighborhoods? In our district, they prioritize those things. Those things are then submitted to the city and the city matches those up with things they already had planned, but also what do the people really want? And so we'll see over the next few years as these things are done, this group that created this list are gonna feel so engaged and empowered because they were a part of making a big difference and that the city was listening to them and they did have a voice. And that was the result of creating this Anaheim First program. Um, it's growing even more so. There's there's thoughts now of creating a PBID uh, in town that would help to fund this organization moving forward. So it was something that also has been very well received by the residents, there was some distrust at first, 
So we really had to build that trust back up. And now even some of the uh, some of the naysayers have come on board. There was some disruption that some tried to create, saying that it was all being controlled by the business community and by the Chamber of Commerce. And we had to prove to them that that was not the case. And it truly is coming from the people of Anaheim. So it uh, continues to grow and very proud of what it's been able to do so far. So your idea, you hook up with the Chamber, you roll this thing out, the mayor falls in love with it. Whose program is it now? I mean, has it become the city's program or is or are your fingerprints still all over it? We're still a founding board member and will remain on the board, but it is uh, separate. It's separate from the city. It's separate from really our organization. It's its own standalone organization now that I'm one of three founding board members um, and we'll continue to be involved. But once it does have a more of a funding mechanism, we provided some startup costs and some funding on the front end for some of the research and studies that are necessary. Soon, this will be uh, self-funding and will be uh, a great benefit for the city and really changing lives for, for decades. So it does truly have a life of its own now. Yeah, that is just so cool. And if that's not enough, <laughs> let's move to question number three. Visit Anaheim is also tackling workforce development by moving into local schools to make jobs in our space, in the hospitality world, cool. So what are some of the things that you're doing to attract the attention of kids that may not have ever appreciated or aspired to the service economy? There's kind of three challenges out there. One was the some of the disinformation about our industry out there, all being low paying jobs, mm -hmm. is no true impact to our you know, community, but also the fact that there's going to be a workforce shortage here. Uh, we've got with some of the immigration issues, with also some of the, the growth of our industry, we need people trained. And so workforce development became a big part of what we needed to pay attention to. So I had been involved through the, the music organization I mentioned earlier, the NAM group. They always have a John Lennon bus, which comes to their show every year. So we got involved in finding out what is the John Lennon bus. Um, being a Beatles fan myself, mm -hmm. um, I thought it would be all about the Beatles. Um, once you get on the bus, you realize that it's all about really workforce development for the music industry. The bus goes around the country all year long and goes into schools from middle schools to high schools and teaches kids about all the potential jobs that are available in the music industry. It's not all about lead guitar, lead singer, backup singer, it is engineers, it is soundboard ops, it is so many different types of jobs in the music industry. So we were sitting around a room one day with our Orange County Visitor Association and I said, why can't we do this for our tourism industry? There's such disinformation out there that it's all about being a waiter at a restaurant, a front desk at a hotel, and they don't look at all the different job opportunities. In my organization alone, you've got everything from sports marketing, to social media, to finance, to uh, business intelligence, to sales services, tourism sales, marketing. There's so many different types of jobs and that's throughout our industry. We're such a crossover industry that we touch almost every industry and different types of jobs within it. So we developed the program a little bit. Uh, what the John Lennon bus does is they have a wrap bus and they, it's very, very visual, but it goes around to the different schools. So we started talking about it with this group. I'm starting to run out of uh, resources and uh, and staff to 
to apply them to do something like this. So we did bring in the Orange County Visitor Association. They have the destination organizations around the county fell in love with the, the program. So, so they started bringing in um, sponsorships and so forth. We had our local uh, trolley, our Anaheim Resort Transit Company, fall in love with the program. They donated a motor coach. So we donated a motor coach. We raised about $350,000 and started this program very quickly where we've trained speakers. The idea is to visit over the next year and a half, 80 plus high schools within the Orange County area where we'll go in to an assembly and teach them, talk to them, inform them about the tourism in industry, all the different jobs that are available, what you could do. Then we started getting the support of the community colleges and of the Cal State University system uh, of a way to bring in students. And many of these that will be students um, need a part-time job. The tourism industry is perfect for that. Some are not going to uh, further their education at all for whatever reason at this time. There are jobs available for that. Some are going to go through a four-year program or more, and there are jobs available for that. So the support of the education community, the support of the transportation local community, uh, the support we went then went to the school districts, and the superintendent loved the program and is really helping us out through the county as well as through the city of Anaheim to get out to all the different schools. I um, was able to have the very first program um, at Anaheim High School, and we had 800 students in attendance at this assembly. But it's not some 55-year-old bald guy up there telling them about the great opportunities. We brought in people in their 20s who started in the tourism industry who have maybe had two or three jobs or advanced, or what is their story? Some, some college, no college, four-year degrees. What is that story? And we have them tell the story about what they do and how they got into it and how much they love it or they're passionate about it. So we go in, we, we show a video, we have a few talking heads, and then we have time after the assembly where they can come in and visit one-on-one -on -one with different representatives in the tourism industry about what it is that we do. And we leave behind at the school, which we're calling the orange box, but it's basically tools on how to find these jobs. It's job lines, it's job fairs, it's the websites for each of the hotels, Hey, find that by the open jobs. It is all these different tools that we leave behind with the counselors at each of these schools. So the counselors love it, the superintendents and principals love it, and the students are really loving it because they're finding out, oh, I never thought of that. My mom or my dad worked at this restaurant. I thought that was the tourism industry. I, I had no idea I can do all these other things. And so they get excited about it. We've had probably five schools visited thus far, and it's really been terrific. And not only are we educating and informing about the industry and about all the different jobs, but hope, hopefully we're going to be training this work force of the future for our industry. Again, another win-win for the community and for the industry that really, really excited about what that's doing. What I find fascinating about this though, is that the education community is all in. And, you know, for so many years, education has been, you know, go to college, you know, get a degree and go white collar. And they've not really been embracing hospitality. I mean, I think they've They've almost been part of the problem in that they're, you know, they're trying to drive kids into white collar. And tell me how how they've become so supportive of this, because, you know, I mean, the whole Mike Rowe movement that, you know, we really need people who are who move through maybe a technical college or, or hell, just you know, right out of high school 
for some of these jobs, because these are really critical jobs to our economy. How did you get the education community to, to embrace this? Because so often we see that that's not their mantra. Well, that's a great question, because I, I expected a little more pushback than we got. One, being such a, a tourism destination, and they see it every day, and that it surrounds, surrounds us. Uh, but we also had gone to them with some program mm -hmm. initially about being part of their mentorship program or being part of their internship program. And so we had built a little bit of a relationship with the superintendent, with a couple of the principals, which, which helped open the door. So when we went to them with this program, uh, we didn't want it to get political. We didn't want it to be uh, one council member didn't like it because it was Visit Anaheim or didn't like it because it was tourism industry and so forth. So we had to uh, expect that battle, but it never came. The uh, superintendent loved it. Uh, they loved that we were part of the community. We had, we had talked to them as well about, about building a sports facility for the amateur sports market and partnering with the school district, and they could use the facility for some of their needs as well. So they saw us in doing these different things, and, and really, I don't know if they trusted us or felt like, you know, these guys are all for good. They're not trying to take advantage of the system or do something. So they they embraced the program. County uh, sent messages out to, to all their different school districts. And really the career counselors is who's embraced it as well because they start career counseling at a young age now. And it, you know, maybe that's where they're directing them and everyone must go to this you know graduate school level to be successful. Um, but they embraced it as an option. And then when Cal State University System came on board, and they do have a hospitality program in 13 of their different campuses. And the community college came on board seeing that these could be a lot of their students who, who may go to a two-year program and then transfer into a four-year program or, or that maybe all they get. But they saw this as a great opportunity to reach potential students as well as to su support the community. So kind of all the stars were aligned, kind of a perfect storm on that, on that program. And, uh, We've got several of our staff members here or, who are some of the speakers, one from public relations, one from destination services. Uh, we've got one from our social media area who are all speakers with this program. So it is well-received and so far a great success. So thinking back to when you got into destination marketing, did you ever believe that you would have three programs like you just talked about that was part of what your job was. I, I mean, this is just not the way we thought 25, 30 years ago. And yet I know. it is so impactful for our communities. And congratulations for all you're doing. I thought it was all about trade shows in London and Berlin when I first got in this business. It's changed a little. <laughs> right. Just a little. All right, time for the bonus round. So one of the perks of this industry is in return for all the long hours we put in, many of us get access to some pretty cool events. Clearly, your time in markets like Arlington and Anaheim, great opportunities there. Um, there are times I look back on all the concerts and the sporting events and the shows that I've experienced, and I wish that I had more than a commemorative T-shirt to show for it. <laughs> you do. You do. I understand you have a ticket stub from every event you've ever attended. Tell us about this fascinating hobby of yours. Uh, most of them. It kind of started, it, and I was a kid. My dad took me to the uh, U.S. Open Golf Championship in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Southern Hills. And I came away with the okay. ticket stub and a program 
from the event. And that was 1977 to date myself. And following that, I, my dad took me to the PGA and then took me to the Masters. And I saved those. At the same time, I'd started my professional career and was going to, had great opportunity to go to some great events for, from Cotton Bowl games to uh, football games to got to go to the very last game in Texas Stadium. Mm. Before Mora yeah, blew it up. But also, <laughs> you know, openings of stadiums. I was in London for an event for work and stumbled into Wimbledon. And so I had the ticket stub and program from Wimbledon. Uh, from that, being in Dallas, had the opportunity to get involved with the 1994 uh, World Cup where I got to attend five of the different games, work at the International Broadcast Center. So I thought, I'm just going to hang on to all these stubs. From that, other opportunities presented themselves from, from Super Bowls to World Series to Lakers playoff games with Shaq and Kobe, uh, a Bulls playoff game with Michael Jordan when I was in Chicago for, for powwow at the time. Uh, but all these started to add up and now have a large box and a collection of all these different ticket stubs and passes and things from over the years. Now it's actually become a collection and not just a trash in a box in, the, in a closet somewhere. So I have a lot of programs uh, from the events. I have a lot of ticket stubs and many of them are displayed right here in my office. But uh, I have everything from the program for, for the very first interleague Major League Baseball game, which was the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers. Uh, I have NHL All-Star Games, uh, Stanley Cup, NBA Finals. I've really been fortunate to be able to to attend all these things, but also have the memories to, to kind of showcase. So kind of a quirky little thing I do, kind of a mega event junkie. And that was a great opportunity in, in Dallas and Arlington and now and now in Anaheim. So, but it started at a very young age. I blame my father for all. Yeah, very cool. Well, Jay, thank you so much for taking time out and for the inspiration that you're providing us with programs like the ones that we discussed today. Here's hoping our listeners can lift a page or two from your playbook and establish destination marketing as a shared community value like you have. Thank you for the time. And yes, our industry has changed and I'm learning more and more every day from all of our uh, destination professionals out there. So everyone keep the ideas coming. Yep, it's an exciting time. That's, hey, that's why DMOU was uh, resurrected. That's it for this edition of the Resurrected DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best of the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories like Jay's for our DMO pros. Thanks, too, to our sponsor, 2.6 Digital. It's a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave, Brian, and the 2.6 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies. You can find them at 2.6digital.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet as well as links to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is the production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. <laughs>